Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Have you? There's other guests in the house. Thank you for being with us this morning. It means a lot for those who are visiting with us. Those who are online, thank you so much for joining us. I know uh, that you're going to be blessed by this message uh, this morning. Well, we've been on this journey for about two months called This is the Way. It's a message series that God laid on my heart about discipleship, about what does it really mean to be a disciple of God. And in this past week, I was praying what to preach, and I really, I really felt like that God gave me a release that today will be the last message in this series. I usually don't go eight to nine weeks for the series, but it just has just been so profound to me personally. And, and I think it's hopefully you have received it and that it's helping you understand the better role of what a disciple should do and how a disciple should be. In other words, I hope you've had ears to hear what the Spirit said the past eight to nine weeks. I feel like I've preached the gospel. I really feel like that I've preached the gospel and kind of let the chips fall where they may. Not that these have been hard messages, but if you really have heard what the Spirit has been trying to tell this church, then you know some of these messages have not been easy because it's challenging with how you think about your walk with God and how you think about that relationship between you and the Lord. I've just laid it out there for you and decided you to do what you feel like you need to do. You know, I'm reminded of what Paul told Timothy over in 2 Timothy 4. He says, you know, there's going to come a time where people are going to go where they can get their itching ears scratched. That's a powerful statement. I think we're living in those days now where people are going to go and they're going to listen to the message that they want to hear that makes them feel good about themselves and their lives. But I firmly believe that God has called the church. It's time for us to be the church. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm taking my time this morning because this is my last shot at this series. And I want you to grasp the overall view of this. God's ready for you to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's ready for me to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's ready for us as we come together to truly be the church that he has called us to. Today I'm going to say what I feel the Lord would have me to say to you that I feel like he wants you to hear today. He spoke to me all week long through this scripture text that we're about to read. And I'm going to lay down what he's shared with me and I hope that it ministers to you. Because what I've decided in my life is that I'm going to read the word of God for myself. I'm not going to depend on someone else to tell me what this book says. We get so caught up, and, and there's nothing wrong with listening to ministers, preachers. I hope you listen to me and others on, with Facebook. I can't, I can't compete with those guys a lot of y'all listen to on Facebook and YouTube. I know, I know. But I feel like God gives me messages for this particular body. And I've decided that I'm, I'm going to, and I'm encouraging you, is what I'm trying to say is, get into the Word, know the Word. Today, as we go over this, look at what the Lord has laid on my heart to tell you and see if it doesn't line up with the Word that He spoke here in Luke chapter 14. I want you to understand it. I want you to gleam it. I want you to apply it to your lives. If there was one 
message that I could communicate to this church today. That there's, there's a concern that I have. Now, please listen closely. This is not a judgmental statement. But as your pastor, who's been your pastor for over 12 years now, who is very much in love with you, if there's one concern that I have is that people who are sitting under my leadership who call this church home, my, my, my genuine concern for you is that one day you will wake up in hell. As a pastor, that's, that is a big concern for me. That one day, unbeknownst to you, you're going to wake up and you're going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not looking at your Facebook posts. I'm not looking at your attendance. I'm not looking at anything. I'm just telling you from a, a pastor's heart, not looking at any one person's life. I'm just saying as your pastors, God's called me to shepherd you and what he's investing in each and every one of you through me as one of his resources. That one day you wake up unbeknowingly and you're not in heaven. I don't want anyone thinking they're going to heaven if they're not. The loving thing for a pastor is not to smooth over the subject and not be very blunt about it. But truly throw it out there for you today. So that you can decide for yourself where you stand with the Lord. Matter of fact, the most loving thing I can do is just to be honest with you. I mean, after all, isn't that what Jesus did? He came to earth, and several times he's, you've heard it said, but this is what it really means. And, of course, he, he confronted the religious people. You're like whitewashed tombs. I mean, that's harsh as he approached the church leadership and the Pharisees. But I also have another concern. I don't want people who know Jesus to feel like they don't know him. Do you, do you feel the tension in that? I don't know if you do. I feel the tension in that, I guess because I'm a leader. I don't want you thinking to go, you're going to heaven if you're not, but I also don't want you to think you're not going to heaven if you are. <laughs> that, that, I don't want you to be worried about, I mean, there was a time that every Sunday you came to the altar and you gave your heart to the Lord. I mean, when I say there was a time when I was growing up, that's what you did. Every Sunday it was hellfire and brimstone. Come on, Craig, you know your dad preached that too. It was my dad. And every Sunday you thought you were going to hell and so you came to the altars and you gave your heart to Jesus. I don't want us living in that kind of fear. That's not the God that we serve. So there's a tension. I don't want you to get everyone worried about their salvation, but at the same time, I don't want everyone to assume they are saved. See, I don't know your heart. And I know many of you struggle with health, with your health. And I care. I really do care. But can I be honest with you? I don't care much about your health as I do this point. Many of you struggling in relationships and marriages or with your children or at work. And I care. I really do care. And I pray for you. But this trumps all of that. I'll be honest with you. I mean, are you suffering financially because of this crazy time that we live in? And, and I do. I desire to help you and pray for you. But I care more about this because this is forever. See, 
We're all going to stand for God. And, and I keep going back to my message this week as I go back to my message last week in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus plainly said that there will be people who will cry out, Lord, Lord, he says, I never knew you. Do you, do you grasp that picture? They did great exploits for God. They, how they cast out demons, I don't know. How they seen them, did them, I don't know. But when the day came and they stand before their maker, he says, I never knew you? How, how, can, that, how can that be? I mean, in that passage, this is not what I'm preaching today, but in this passage, there are people who are deceived all the way to the end of their lives and they're turned away. That bothers me. This isn't hyperbole. This isn't, this isn't Jesus just saying things to get people's attention. He said, this is the way it's, it's going to be. Maybe it's a good thing we had our worship time like we did this morning. This is the way it's going to be. They think they're saved, but they're not. And they, they, they have to depart God's presence for what? For eternity. Never to stand in his presence and for the rest of eternity live in torment and pain. I mean, part of me right now wants to stop and have an altar call. I'll be honest with you, with, with the passing of friends and even before COVID, um, you know, Brother Glenn said something to me the other day and it's, I got to thinking about it. I've done more funerals at this church than I can count in the 12 years I've been your pastor. And I'm glad to pastor the sheep, the flock that I do and be a part of that honor of doing that. But if nothing else, we have to understand that what James says is so true. It's more real to me than ever. Life is but a vapor. I just can't talk from a heart. I got to just talk from a heart. Life is a vapor. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed the rest of this day. Do I have to talk about our dear friend, Yvonne, Yvonne who, who died leaving church five, after, five minutes after leaving church in a car accident? I don't know what's happening in other churches, but I know that within this church, God is trying to, to get our attention. I believe he's trying to get our attention so that we line up and we become the church that he's called Bear Creek Assembly to become. I can't speak about the Baptists or the Methodists or the Catholics down the road or other Assembly God churches. All I have is this church, and I'm thankful for this great fellowship, this mighty church. We are a mighty church. But God's ready to whip us into shape so that we become the church that he's called us to. Why? Because he wants to reach the lost and they wants them discipled. That's the whole purpose we exist. I love our fellowships. I love our time to come together. I can't wait for Sunday school. I can't wait for us to get together and reconnect at a level we haven't been able to. But can I tell you something? This is not a country club. This is not a social club. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to reach the lost and make disciples out of those that we have found. That's our calling. Life is short. So today we're going to close out this service. We're going to look at what Jesus said was the cost of following the cost. It costs you something to follow him. And let's see how this applies to your life. Luke 14, 25, 26. Now, great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, 
even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. Now, I need you for a minute to put your toddler, your preschool, your elementary hat on for a moment, and let's engage this Bible study, this story for a minute. Jesus is walking along, and suddenly a great crowd, which, by the way, I wish great crowds followed me around. And I do. I have a great crowd that's following me. I wish great crowds followed you around because of the message that you're living and teaching and telling other people about. But they show up and they show up. And what's the first thing he says? Hey, if you're going to keep following me, you're going to have to hate your father and your mother. You want to be my disciple? You got to hate your parents. Not only that, you got to hate your wife. Now, for some of you men, don't amen me there. I know that may come a little easier for some than others. No, that's not what he's talking about. He says, oh yeah, and those cute little kids you have, you got to hate them too. And he didn't say this, but can I imply here as well, and you grandparents, you gotta, you got to hate your little grandbabies too. you got to hate your grandbabies. That's what he's saying right here. He said, you got to, and you have to hate your own life. He says, are you scared to lose your lives? So you can find it? Are you, are you scared to die for my sake? That, that's what he's implying here. Unless you're willing to hate these things, you cannot be my disciple. That's pretty strong language. And these were his first words to these crowd, this crowd. They just showed up. Hey, you gonna follow me? You gotta hate your wife. I hate them children. Brothers and sisters, you gotta hate every, you gotta, matter of fact, you have to hate your own life if you're gonna be my disciple. Whew, that's tough. We don't always read it that way. This is a scripture a lot of people kind of skirt around. This is Jesus' words. He's speaking red letters, right? What I found interesting is in the modern world today where there's politics, where there's school, where there's church or some other organization, when we see a crowd, what do we do? We try to, we try to keep that crowd, don't we? Don't we? We do that in church, don't we? We, we see a visitor. We, we, we see people come. We want to keep. It's interesting that Jesus isn't trying to keep a crowd here. He's not trying to keep a crowd. What he's trying to do, he's trying to tell them the truth. He says, are you sure you're following the right guy here? Do you really know what you're asking for? Because if you want to follow me, you have to put me so far above everybody else. I know you have a beautiful wife. She leads you around by your nose, that ring in your nose. We know that. But Jesus said, you, you, no, no, you, you got to put her last. She cannot be first. I know you got those cute kids and grandkids are cute, but you know what? You, they, they cannot come first. See, I have to be up here and everything else has to be down here is what he's saying. He's got to be here and everything else got to fall down here. That, that's what he's saying in this scripture. See, he said, do you understand what a great treasure you are finding in me? You guys know the parables. You know Jesus talked about it. He said, I am such a great treasure that I am worth you selling everything. Come on. You are forgetting everything, forbidding everything, selling it so that you can attain the treasure that I am. That's what he's saying to these folks. You have to give it all up. You cannot hang on to anything. You have to do this with everything, including your life. You've got to let it go. That's tough. It's tough. So if you, anyone wants to follow me and be my disciple, they have to be willing to hate his own father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life. Verse 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
That's an interesting term, isn't it? We use that term a lot, don't we? It's just a cross I have to bear. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. See, we use it to mean, man, that wife, I'm, that woman I'm living to, whoo, that's just my cross to bear. Not my wife, by the way. I'm speaking, for, I'm speaking for JW over here. I'm sorry. There we go. It's okay to laugh a little bit. I know this is, this is I'm serious today with this. I mean, I'm serious every day. But this, this, this is, hopefully it's going to be a heart check for us all. But see, we use it that way. But, for, but in this case, Jesus is literally meaning, if you're going to follow me, you have to be willing to die. See, for these people, they understood what it meant to bear a cross because that was a form of, of, uh, of, of torture, a form of death, a form of penalty for certain crimes in their culture. They understood that when you take up your cross, that, a, that just like Jesus, they, they would have to carry their cross from the judgment of where they were judged. They would have to carry it to the place that they would hang on that cross. They would have to carry the burden of the own, their own device that would kill them. And these people understood what that, they didn't use it the way we do as it's a tongue-in-cheek. They, when he said that, are you willing to pick up your cross? He literally meant, are you willing to go to a cross and die next to me? Can I count on you to go the whole way? Can I count on you to be by my side the whole time? Can I count on you not to, to walk away and to give up and to quit on me? Can I depend on you to be faithful? Because that's what this is about. Denying everything else and following me. what he's asking are you 100% behind him he wants to know if he's here your wife is here is he here your children and grandchildren here is he here your dreams here is he here your job here that's what he's asking these people that's what he's asking us today And just in case you're wondering if that's really what he meant, he continues in verse 28. For which of you desires to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, this man began, a building, or began to build and was not able to finish. Can you imagine if we didn't count the cost of pouring concrete out front, which is not cheap, and we got all that work done and we put the, 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 the wire down tomorrow and we're all ready and we don't have enough money to, to pay for that concrete. Can you imagine that staying like that for months and years? What kind of message does that send the community? We didn't plan very well. We're poor. We're not blessed. We, we can't finish a project. We, we don't care about how things look. And see, if you've ever seen an unfinished building, this a mockery to whoever started the building. And that's what, that's what the Lord is saying right here. He said, you, you need to think through the cost of being my disciple. We get this idea that it's a free ride. We get this idea, it's all about me in this relationship, just like we do in marriage sometimes. We find out that doesn't work. We, we, he said, count the cost. He doesn't want you to get started and then walk away and claim to be something you're not because you'll become a mockery to the kingdom. How have we got into the mess today that we have people walking down claiming I know this sounds judgmental, but let's face it. Claiming to be followers of Christ and nothing about their life resembles Christ. 
I mean, I, I, I just preached last week about fruit. There's no fruit that shows that they are a follower of Christ. It costs you something. Before you make the decision to be my disciple, he says, count the cost because it will cost you everything. You have to hate everything else in your life. And we know he doesn't mean hate in the sense that he used it, talking about hate is like murder. He's talking about he's got to be here. and you, Your love for him has got to be up here above and before anything else, including your own life. See, this is where the church has failed. And maybe with good intentions. I don't think we've intentionally tried to lie to people, but we don't tell people there's a cost to being a disciple. And I get it. You have family members and friends who are unsaved, and you want, them, want nothing more than for them to be saved. And what you say is just say this prayer and you'll be saved. Now, I know I'm challenging some theology, but I'm going to quantify what I'm saying here. No way am I saying that salvation is through works. But what we tell them is, you give your heart to Jesus and all your problems are going to go away. Give your heart to Jesus and you're going to have a house on the hill and a car to drive and you're going to have money in the bank. Give it to Jesus and everything's going to be all right. See? And that's a lie from the pit of hell. So what happens is, okay, people, they give their heart to Jesus because they're in a bind, they're in a crisis, and their circumstances don't change. And before long, they get discouraged because their prayer wasn't answered. Or God didn't do this for them. Or this didn't happen the way they thought. They didn't get the job they wanted. Whatever the scenario is. And what happens is they get very discouraged. Because they were never told the truth up front. That no. He is not the junior store on the corner. That gets this convenient for you to go to. Anytime you have a need. To be in relationship with God. Through his son Jesus. Where the Holy Spirit indwells you. Means that you have to sacrifice everything. Regardless of your circumstances. Regardless of the mess that you've made in your life. And you start following him. In time things will get better. As you start submitting to his will. And his way and his word. For our guest today. It's not always this cheerful. I promise. I don't think we mean to tell them lies, but we are. And there's a false teaching in the church that says if you follow Jesus, he'll make you healthy and wealthy. All your problems will go away. And that's not what Jesus taught. He was honest with the people. He said, follow him, give him your life to him is going to be difficult and more difficult and harder and harder as you go. He didn't say follow me and you get a big house. He says, I have nowhere to lay my head. That doesn't sound like a mansion to me. That don't sound like prosperity preaching to me. He says, they're going to hate me. Do you really want to follow me? They're going to hate me. And because they hate me, they're going to hate you. And can I be honest with you? If you're truly living the life of a child of God and you're proclaiming the gospel and you're trying to help people get to heaven and you're trying to disciple people, there's going to be people who are going to hate you. That's why we don't like to proclaim the gospel too much because we want everybody to love us. We want every, and I'm not talking about being mean-spirited here, church. It's done in love, but we have to walk in obedience. If truly God is Lord of your life, then you are the light of the world and you need to be out there professing the light to those who are in darkness. See? Some of y'all probably hate me this morning right now just simply because I'm preaching this or greatly dislike me. 
Because it cuts to the quick. It should hurt. I know next week we probably won't have anybody in service. But you don't want to miss next Sunday. It's good service next Sunday. Count the cost. Following Jesus is not easy. He is the narrow gate and the narrow path he calls you to is narrow. But it leads to life. Unfortunately, he said, only a few find it. Only a few find it. You have to count the cost ahead of time. Count the cost of discipleship before you call yourself a Christian. You can't keep having sex outside of marriage. You can't keep hurting people with your words and your actions. You can't keep smoking pot and doing drugs. You can't keep abusing your wife or your kids or neglecting them. You can't keep neglecting the body of Christ. You can't keep talking bad about the other person. You can't keep being lazy. You can't keep gossiping. You can't keep lying. You can't keep putting things above God. That's just an abbreviated list. And in case I left something out you needed to hear, whatever you're thinking, you can't do that either. <laughs> All right? I love you, church. I really, I really said, God, are you sure? This is a hard message. You got to count the cost. There's a cost of being a follower of Christ. Your family, your friends could hate you. You may lose your life. The question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it to lose everything in this life to gain eternal life? You, I hope you hear that I'm pondering around the words of Christ. It's not in the scripture, but it's the whole teaching of his word. You got to lay down your life to gain life. See? Jesus makes it pretty clear, doesn't it? Pretty clear here. Well, let's continue. Just in case you didn't, you're still unsure that that's what Jesus meant. He continues in verse uh, 31. Now, this is continuation. I mean, staying crowd. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Twice the numbers. And if not, while the other is yet great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So, because of this, therefore, anyone of you who does not pronounce all, excuse me, does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is a, almost a summary. He's about to close. He's not closed yet, but this is a summary of the previous three statements he just made. You cannot be my disciple if you don't put me here and everything else here. If you don't count the cost and finish the job, and if you're not willing to go to war with him. Are, are, you, are you hearing the words of Jesus to us this morning? You know? All right. Let's put it this way in case you don't get it. Right now, you are being drafted into my army. And this afternoon, we're going into hand-to-hand -hand combat with all the citizens of Lynn Haven. Are you with me? Now, there's thousands of them, and there may be maybe a hundred here today. I'm not sure. If we count the babies, we got a hundred probably. All right? So are you with me? Come on. Let's go. Come on. Take your arms up. Let's go. Let's go fight. 
Before you say yes, what would you do? Well, I don't know about that, Pastor. That don't sound like a very good idea. Matter of fact, we might have to create a committee, and we need to talk about how we might be able to do an end around, or maybe, uh, matter of fact, Pastor, maybe we just need to go and just see how much money in the bank we can give them so we don't have to fight this battle, right? Why? Because you're counting the cost. Not the cost of what it's going to cost in monetary means, but your life. Are you willing to give your life? He said, before you go into battle with a superior enemy, you need to think about it. In other words, Jesus is telling us today there are more of them than there are us. Now, that doesn't mean that God isn't all-powerful and almighty. That's not what he's saying here. He just said, you're going to be living in a very confrontational world when you start following me. People are going to hate you, dislike you. They're not going to love you. It's going to be like war. Your family's going to disown you. You may lose your jobs. It may even cost you your life. Are you willing? Because I don't want to get you out here on the front line and then you retreat and abandon me. Is that what you're in for? See? Because you could die in this world. You need to think about what you're about to enter into, what Jesus is saying here. He says, you will be like sheep among the wolves. You sure about this? Sure you want to do this? See, I believe that is what Jesus is asking us today. Are you sure you really want to follow me? Say, well, pastor, I have been. I'm not here to debate whether you have been or not, but that's what you have to evaluate. Have you truly been following Jesus? Are you sure you want to go out among wolves? Because whether you know it or not, as the age gets older and older and we approach the second coming of Christ, you, trust me, it's going to be a lot harder for you to profess Christ in this world. You're going to be among wolves. And we already see that to some degree. Are you sure you want to take up your cross and follow me? It's not going to get easier, church. It's only going to get harder. Now, think about this morning. My heart breaks this week. We, we don't understand persecution. But I think about the church in Afghanistan right now. That they're literally having their heads chopped off for the cause of Christ. That's the 21st century. People in Turkey right now are being persecuted for their faith in Christ. The church in Iran is being persecuted for their faith in Christ. The believers in Iraq are even being persecuted for their faith. Do, 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 do you understand that that one day may be right here in the United States of America? We may not lose our lives, but we're quickly losing our rights. And this isn't a political statement. This, is, this isn't, I'm a, I'm a member of the kingdom of God. I, that's where I reside. But still, I, you have to be very aware of, of where the slippery slope is leading in our nation today. You better be praying. You better be praying. You better count the cost. You better be willing to lay down your life. Because that's what a disciple does. This isn't a field trip. We're not going to the zoo. It's a battle. It's your building. You're sacrificing. And it's going to cost you maybe even your life. Jesus says right up front, if you're not willing to renounce it, renounce all of it, 
if you're not willing to renounce all of it, you can not be my disciple. So if there's something in your life you're not willing to give up, you're not willing to sacrifice, that you're not willing to put after God, can I tell you today, according to Jesus' word, you're not a disciple. You're not following him. That hurts. That's challenging to me. Wonder why I've been walking around in the stupor all week. It's God, God I, I hope this isn't before you. I, I, I hope I'm not worshiping my wife over you. I, I, I hope, you know, I mean, my kids, eh, you know how that is. But anyways, they're all grown now. I can only imagine about grandbabies. I, you know, it's like, Lord, maybe I don't want grandbabies because, oh, Lord, I don't, I know you think I'm being silly, but that's, I'm being very sincere with this. This is the reality they lived in. And because we don't, we're not facing death as a persecution, we just go along life like, oh, I just lived the way I want to. Oh, God, I need this. Oh, God. And it's like, no. He says, you got to give it all up for him. Got to cost you everything. And after he said that, Jesus continues. This is where he closes. And no, it's not my clothes. Verse 34, I'm about there. He goes on. This is a weird statement, but in light of everything he just said, listen to what he's saying. Put your spiritual ears on. Salt is good. How many of y'all like salt? Come on. Let me just tell you. You know what? The best steak in the world, not is the cut, is how it's prepped. First of all, you want a thick steak and you don't want it frozen. You want it fresh. And then you want to put as much salt, Glenn taught me this, put as much salt on it as you can and just let it overnight just soak up that salt. And then when you go to grill it, a lot of that salt will disappear, but it brings out, you don't need ketchup. Look, don't put ketchup on a steak. You don't need anything but a sweet potato just globbed with butter and and cinnamon sugar. That's all you need for this steak. Don't even eat a salad. Don't. Don't. Don't ruin the meal. And it's got to be at least 16 ounces of steak. Yes, 16 ounces. That's why you don't eat a salad. But that salt is so good, you don't taste the salt. And it brings the... That's what all these really nice steakhouses do. They sell you like, well, we put all these herbs and spices. No, they don't. This is it. If you're wondering, my favorite cuts a T-bone if you ever want to invite me over. But that's neither here nor there. No, that is here, not there, here now. But it's salt, and it's good. If you put it on your food, he says, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall saltiness be restored? In other words, once salt loses its taste, there's nothing you can do to restore the saltiness. So not only is it useless for flavor, but it's of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. Now, that goes back to cultural things. They did it to break down the manure pile. So there's a reason for him saying that. And on the soil, it is thrown away. Then he says, he who has an ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. The question is, do you hear what Jesus is saying today? Do you hear the point he is trying to make? Because it's a very powerful point. Jesus is looking at this great crowd and basically says he doesn't want all of them if they're not all in. That's, that's not the gospel message we usually hear, is it? Now, don't mistake me. He wants all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, of himself. He wants all of us saved, but he's saying, 
But if you're not all in, don't waste my time nor your time. Now, that doesn't mean he wants perfection. I'm not here preaching condemnation this morning. God is patient. He's lovable. lovable. He is merciful. He's full of grace. We, we sing about his goodness. There's a process, but there is the, in your life, these things have to be given over to him. They have to be laid down. You have to start transforming into the image of Christ. Your life has to start reflecting that of what God would have your life reflect. And he says, if you're not willing to lay down your own life and, and to give up your parents and your kids and your children and walk away from everything that you want, if you're not willing, don't waste my time because you will not make it. It's war. It's going to cost you everything. Are you willing? If you're not willing to hate your father and your mother, put me first. Count the costs, he says. Are you willing to lay down your life and go to world war with a bunch of people that outnumber you? You see people all the time quitting when it's hard and when they don't get what they want. The life Jesus has called us to is not the country club life. It's not the prosperity message. Will he bless you? He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. See? Life Jesus calls us to is, is a hard life. Like building a tower, it will cost you. It's a war. You'll be like sheep among wolves. You will be outnumbered. And Jesus closes by saying salt is good, but if it loses its flavor, what good is it? He says if it loses its flavor... It's of no use, not even for throwing on the dirt pile or the manure pile. It's worthless. What Jesus is saying, if you aren't going all in and all the way with him, then you're worthless as flavorless salt. What can he do with you? What can he do with you? What is he doing with you? If he's not doing anything with you, then you need to test your saltiness. If you're useless, he has no use for you. What I've found is that we have bought the lie and have shared the lie when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. We have to be so concerned. I find that we're so concerned about building the church in numbers physically that we have failed to build the church spiritually. I've told you, I don't want a mega church. But those who are following me as I follow Christ, I want you white hot. I want you to be a coal that's burning hot so that anybody who is not on fire gets near you, they ignite instantly. That's what I want. Numbers will take care of themselves. I'm not worried about... Fill in the sanctuary. I'm not worried about having two services, three services, five services if we get to that point. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about how big our bank account gets. I'm not worried about that. That's not my responsibility. That's not my worries. That's not for me to handle. That's God's. My responsibility is to lead you and help you see the truth so that you can be useful in the hands of God Thereby, we're reaching the lost and we're making disciples. The growth will take care of itself. Numerical. 
But we have to be mindful of the spiritual growth. By telling them this lie, we have given folks a false sense of security and therefore may very well send them to hell anyways. It's not easy. I know I had a conversation, and, and I'm just going to call his name out, James, not too long ago, who rededicated his life to the Lord, was baptized in water. We had a conversation. And part of the conversation, he didn't say it this way, but some of the things that were happening at work and things that were happening in his life, things were getting hard. He wasn't looking to turn back on God, but he says, man, this is, this is hard. This, this isn't easy. I told him in so many words, it's not going to be easy. But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's not easy when things don't go your way. It's not easy. You're going to be hated. It's going to be hard. It's, it's going to be war. Right? We need to tell people they're going to be shot at. Right? I got shot at. Oh, my God. oh, you weren't supposed to get shot out. You're supposed to get a new house. I don't know what happened with God. Right? Jesus isn't looking for wimps. He's not looking for quitters. He's not looking for complainers. He's not looking for people who are just after his blessings. He's looking for people who will follow him no matter where he leads, no matter what the conditions, no matter what he asks, no matter the cost. Are you willing to follow? He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, this is my close. Two last scriptures. Because right now, for some of y'all, you're probably theologists and you study the word. If you know the word, you say, but pastor, what about John 3, 16? You're trying to tell me it's hard to be saved. You're telling me that it's not easy to be saved. It's going to be difficult to be saved. And John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel message. That is so true, and I'm not counteracting that message whatsoever. It's true. The problem is our interpretation of what it means to believe. Our belief means, yeah, I believe there's Jesus. Okay, I've said this prayer. Okay, I believe I'm going to heaven, but our life never lines up with the fact that as we believe in him, that means we become followers of him. It means that we start doing the good works he's called us to do. It means we stop doing the bad works he's called us not to do. Well, you're adding to the gospel. No, I'm not. We like to take one scripture and make a doctrine out of it. Believe means that you are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt and that whatever you believe is a conviction now that you live by. Now I'm going to preach. I'm closed. I'm preaching with my clothes here. All right? Look down at John 3, 36, same chapter, just a few verses later. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. I believe, I believe. Oh, but it's a continuation. Whoever does not obey the Son, obey the Son. Those who are not following the Son, those who are not lining up with what He says, those who are not committed to Him, following Him, counting the cost, giving Him it all, those that do, are not obeying shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. How do you deal with that? It's more than just saying a prayer. It begins there. Believe in your heart. Confess there's an action that has to take place. And then your life starts lining up with the word of God. It's probably a side of me y'all don't like right now. 
Don't hate the messenger. And don't hate the one who sent him. Salvation goes beyond believing in your heart. It's a conviction that leads you to walk in obedience to the ways of Jesus. This is the way. It literally costs you everything, including your life. But the great news is when you give it all to him, you gain life. You gain life. There's a lot of things in this world that's got us fearful. God's not one of the things that you need to fear, but within this context, he tells us that we are to fear. He says, you don't fear anything but the one who's able to destroy your body and your soul. That's not Satan. He's talking about himself. He says, you need to fear it. If anything, you're gonna, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind. But Jesus said, if there's anything to fear, it's to fear the one who has the power to destroy not just your body, but your soul. That's not God's desire. And let me say, it's not hard to be a follower of Christ. It can be difficult. I know you say, well, that's that's the same thing. You're gonna have difficult times, but that's where God comes along, the full counsel of the word of God. That's where he infuses his Holy Spirit in you. If you live by the conviction of the Holy Spirit as he brings back to your remembrance the word that God has spoken, you will be victorious. You will truly see eternal life. And you'll see great victories and miracles in your life. But it begins by truly following the Lord and giving up everything. Amen. Amen. Alex, if you would, just real quick. Father, God, it's been a a different type of service today, Lord. I think you've orchestrated that, but God, I'm just acknowledging it. Lord, it started low, but then, God, the praise erupted in this house, God, and you filled this temple with your spirit. The Shekinah glory filled this room, God, and I am so thankful that you did, God, because we needed our spirits lifted, Lord. We needed fear defeated, God. We needed to focus on you and not our problems, God, and but I also think you did that, Lord, for this message. Because, Lord, as much as this is a message for those who are unsaved, it's just as much of a message for those who are saved, God, but maybe they're not really following you. Lord, only you and them know their private life, know their thoughts, their feelings, God, their lusts, their desires. I don't pretend to know that, God, and truly, Lord, I don't. Lord, please don't give me that gift. Lord, you do, and they do. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now, as we're closing this service in prayer, that you'll start bringing some conviction on us, God, not condemnation. There's now no condemnation in Christ. But, Lord, we might need some correcting in our way. Lord, unbeknownst to us, Lord, we may have put an idol in our life that we worship more than we worship you or that comes before you. God, that could be work. That could be kids. That could be hobbies. Lord, you're not against work and kids and grandkids and hobbies, Lord. You're not against them. But, Lord, you do demand. It's your words, God. You demand to be first. And you demand us to be willing to say no to those things and lay them down. Lord, that's tough. 
God, for somebody that doesn't have anything, giving it all up isn't tough because there's nothing to give up. But Lord, we're really, truly blessed. And even those who don't think they have much do have a lot. And God, for us to lay that down and give it up to you, God, that, that's, that's, that's challenging. Lord, I pray today you help us. You, you, Holy Spirit, right now, start showing us. Lord, I don't want anyone under my leadership, God, to face you one day and hear I never knew you. God, I will have to stand before you and give an account for that, Lord. And, and God, I don't want that. God, I want every one of them to hear, well done. Well done. Enter into your joy. Well done. But God, I... I don't have control over that. Only they and you do. Lord, I pray today for every one of us before we leave this place that we do a soul search. We do an evaluation. And God, start bringing to our minds the things that we have placed before you, the things that we're not willing to give up, God. God, help us. Ask us the question. Help us to have to answer it, Lord, boldly. Would we lay down our life for you, for the gospel? Could we be in Afghanistan, Lord, right now, or Turkey, or Iran, or Iraq, God? Could, could we be there right now knowing, Lord, that it could require our heads if we did not denounce Jesus as Lord and Savior? Could we do that, Father? God, I want to say I can. I want to say, Lord, I believe I will. I could. But God, may we all ask that question today. Oh, God, help us. Lord, you spoke through your spirit, spirit earlier in the gifts, God, about this very thing. Lord, it's amazing how you line everything up, God. Lord, your servant didn't know what you were preaching today, nor did I tell her what to say. But God, it lines up with this very thing today, God. We're holding on to so much in this life that, that is, Lord, literally keeping us from being in relationship, the right relationship with you. That's why we're walking around in fear and beat up and doubt and depression and full of anxiety, God. You never promised us, Lord, that we wouldn't die some way or somehow. All you promised us, God, is that one day after this life, we'll stand before you. And if we hear those words, well done, we will live with you for eternity. God, I, Lord, quicken. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm ready to go. God, may we all be there. May we not love this life so much, God, that we're not ready to go when you beckon us home. Lord, may there be nothing here holding us back. God, help us, Jesus. Oh, God. If you're here this morning, and I'm just going to put it bluntly, if you're in doubt of your salvation, if you're in doubt, you're not sure today if your life was required of you that you would go to heaven. There's nothing wrong with that statement. I'm not trying to put fear in doubt. I don't want you, if you're saved, to be fearful of losing your salvation. I don't want that. But I also don't want you here today thinking you're going to heaven. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now and you need to confess some sins, you need to give some things up, you need to come down and recommit your life to Christ, or if you've never done it, today's your day of salvation, would you please quickly come to these altars right now? I'm not going to look for a hand to be raised. I'm not going to try to make eye contact. If that's you today and your soul is in the balance and you're uncertain of your future, would you please today do it while it's day? Please. 
please, please today, don't leave here in doubt. If there's something in your life that you, you knowingly know or you know that it's, it comes before God, if it's that thing that consumes your thoughts day and night, and you're willing to lay it down, would you bring it today to this altar and lay it down? Maybe you need to write it on a piece of paper. Please, use the tithing envelopes. Use the pen. Come, leave it at the altar. I won't pick it up and read it. Nobody's going to come behind you and look at what you're giving up. That's between you and the Lord. But don't leave here today with that idol still in your life, with whatever that is that comes before God. Because whatever it is, it's an idol. It doesn't matter if your job, your career, your kids, your grandkids, your hobbies, I'm telling you, your bank account, your retirement account. If that's what's driving you, then it's an idol in the eyes of God. Will you lay it down today? Will you come? Will you come? Thank you. That's all confidence, I promise you. No one reads this between you and the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Have you counted the cost? Are you willing to die? Are you still... Can God see worth in you? Does He use you, in other words? Are you, are you usable for Him? Have you lost your saltiness? Now's the time to make it right with the Lord. Say, well, why do I have to come to the altar, Pastor? Can I do it here? Sure. But just like when everybody came to the altar, the glory fell. Come, meet Him at the altar today. You're really kneeling at the cross. That is the ultimate altar of all times, that cross. Will you come today, please? Come today. I still feel there's more that needs to come. I can't, I just, I can't shut it down. Will you come today? joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.